Hello and welcome to Engagement Express, the podcast series for HR engagement and communication professionals. Well, here I am for episode 11, believe it or not, for the show where I'll be giving you inspiration and tips, as usual, on how to increase engagement in your organisations. My name is Katie Siche and I'm an internal communications consultant who's worked with many well-known global brands to support their colleague engagement strategies. Join me every fortnight to hear more about the things you should be reviewing and doing regularly to increase engagement. Now, we're in for a real treat today where I'm joined by Hannah Awanuga. She's the founder of Rarity London Career Development Services. She is a female corporate coach that dedicates her time to supporting and developing female professionals trying to excel in their careers. Over the past three years, she has delivered empowerment workshops, keynote addresses, and sat on many panel discussions, talking about topics including diversity and inclusion, social mobility, race and ethnicity, and gender equality. Hannah is a Global Diversity and Inclusion Vice President within the financial service industry. She has been working in banking since she was 17 years old and for the past 14 years has spent time in the retail bank, business and corporate bank before transitioning into HR in 2019. Hannah has recently been appointed as a foundation school governor at her local Catholic secondary school and has also joined the National Black Governors Network Board as a trustee. So Hannah, I'm really pleased to have you here today on the Engagement Express podcast. Delighted to have you as a guest. Thank you. Thank you, Kate. I'm really, really excited to be here. So Hannah, I'm really interested in your perspective because I'm coming at engagement from communications angle. I'm an internal communications consultant. That's been my trade for many years now. So when I look at engagement, I look at activities which obviously encompass HR and talent Mm -hmm. acquisition and those kind of groups. But from your perspective, what does engagement mean? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. And for me, I think engagement is about inclusion and also bringing people on the journey. And if I give a bit of context around that, I think in a working environment, you have so many different people, right? And you're all there to do a job. But to be engaged is to be bought in. So whether that's bought into the journey, bought into the vision, it's about, for me, it's about making sure colleagues feel like they want to come to work, feel like they have a sense of belonging. And there are different channels and activities that you need to kind of build that engagement. And it's not something you can have overnight. There's a cultural element to engagement as well about what does the culture say? What does your organizational culture say? And how does that play into your personal beliefs and your belief system? So to me, there's so many layers to engagement. But for me, it's about if I'm engaged, that means I, I you know, understand the vision, you know, I'm invested into the vision and, and I'm growing in that vision the organization. That's really interesting. And I've heard many people talk about being invested 
in the organization's strategy and vision and mission and, and becoming a part of that and really understanding that I have a role to play yeah. in making that happen. Because with internal comms, when they talk about engagement, it's very much, and I don't know how you perceive it from your angle, but from my angle, it's very much owned usually, typically, by internal communication. So if engagement is poor, then they look at you and say, well, what do we do about it? How come we're where we are? And then I always sort of shrug my shoulders in some respects, you know, internally in my head. And not physically, but I just kind of say to myself, well, there are many things that are causing that. It's not just down to communications. Obviously, communications plays a role and a major one at that. I like the way you talk about it because it's intangible in some respects. And I've said this many times before, I think in other episodes, that engagement in of itself doesn't really exist. It's the number of steps, isn't it, to get there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And communications play a big part, like you said. But it doesn't stop there, right? You know, as a leader, you have a responsibility. As the organisation has a responsibility. As colleagues, we have a responsibility to ensure that the teams that we work in, the people that we work with, feel like they want to be there. You know, it's not enough. You know, it's not great. Don't be at work if you don't want to be. (laughs) You know, like, find something you love, right? Find something that you love. Because if you are in a role that you don't enjoy, then you won't be engaged, no matter how great the comms are. So, you know, I think everybody has a responsibility to play in that. Yeah, really interesting. In terms of D&I playing a role within engagement, how do you see that playing out in an ideal scenario? Where do you think that D&I can make a significant difference? Yeah, I think it's, it's an interesting one because if I think about DNI in my capacity, we work hand in hand with our comms business partners. They are a vital part of our wider stakeholders. And so therefore, you know, DNI to me is a channel or department or, or a organization within the organization that is there for the people. Right. Mm. And is there to support the differences that we all live and breathe. And so therefore, you know, there's an element there that says as DNI professionals in an organization, we have a responsibility to ensure that everybody feels included. Mm. And we have a responsibility to ensure that the business and the organization understands the differences right from grassroots yeah but then how do you do that how do you communicate that out how do you let people know that that's our mission how do you let people know that dni is really important that that we understand the challenges and that we're trying to unpick some of the barriers that people face when they're growing through their careers it's through our engagement model it's through our comms partners we work in tandem and so that's how i see dni and engagement it's about we are there to ensure that our colleagues have a voice and our comms are that channel that we use that's an excellent answer and i know that you're not the personification of dni across the uk but as you are here as <laughs> yes <laughs> i'm going to probe you further on this 
because it's such a topical area at the mm-hmm. moment. BLM, Black Lives Matter movement, mm-hmm. Me Too of recent yeah, as well. How do you feel the corporate world should respond to movements like that? Because there are many who still perceive that to be something that's outside and external. But of course, it's impacting Mm -hmm. the lives of employees. So how do you authentically speak to that without becoming overly involved or committing yourself to a particular stance Mm -hmm. from a corporate? Yeah, it's a difficult one. And I suppose it is. And, you know, it's really important for me to say that these are all my own thoughts, right? They're not any thoughts of any of the organisations that I'm connected to. These are just my own thoughts. And so when we look at how the corporate world is responding to the Black Lives Matter movement and Me Too and Pride and all of the other social, how can I describe them? You know, social responsibilities that we have Mm. to our communities that we serve. I think there's one element which is showing our stance. Yeah. You know, if we take the Black Lives Matter movement, what side do we sit on? (laughs) You know, and a lot of companies have done that. You know, we've seen a lot of companies over the last two months really stand in solidarity with the black community and in solidarity against racism. And that has been awesome to see. Yeah. What we now want to see is the action that follows that. And if we take gender as an example, you know, it's taken about 10 years to get to where we are in gender. You know, now we have the mandatory gender pay gap report that the government in the UK has requested from, you know, all companies. Now we are starting to see targets around female and executive board positions. But that took a long time. Yeah. And so therefore, it's really important that we understand that the movement that is BLM or Black Lives Matter is not something that is going to happen overnight. Yeah. You know, it's not a click of a button. But what it has done, it has heightened the awareness and it has also accelerated the activity around ethnicity in the workplace. Yeah. It's been on agendas for years. It's been on corporate agendas. We've seen it, right? We've seen yeah. it in different capacities and different organizations. They're either their external messaging or, you know, the awards they've won. You can see that ethnicity is not new. Yeah. However, this whole Black Lives Matter movement in 2020 has accelerated because Black Lives Matter movement also is not new. No. It has been around for some years now. But the tragic death of George Floyd and other events that have really, the riots in America, the protests across the world has woken up, you know, a lot of people. And so therefore it has accelerated the interest and the want to do something. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And I too am really enthused to see the response from global organisations, big companies saying that they support BLM as well as Me Too and the other movements. But what I then feel sad about is when we look at their organisations, the senior leadership teams, the board, mm-hmm. the chairs, etc., and we don't see any diversity there. Can you speak mm-hmm. to that a little? Yeah, I suppose, you know, that is the reality, right? So the challenge will always be 
put your money where your mouth is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? And so it's great that we've had the solidarity, but the work starts now. And so I think that we as onlookers and people that are the moving and shakers as well yeah. need to be really realistic. We know that there was no representation. We know that the representation for ethnically diverse people in senior position depletes mm. as you grow up the, yeah. the chain, right? So at grassroots level, you know, we have a lot of representation, which means that a lot of these companies do not have an issue attracting. Yeah. It's when you get in and you want to grow that the glass ceiling becomes thicker and thicker. Mm. So we know that, you know, that's exactly the same business case for gender. Mm-hmm. So it takes time. So I've seen a lot of the posts that say, oh, show me your boardrooms. And, you know, but we know what's in the boardrooms. We do. Right? We know that. So for me, it's not really about showing me what's in the boardroom because I absolutely know what's in your boardroom. Yeah. It's about showing me your plans. Yeah. What's going to happen from here on in, right? We know that your HR, a lot of the HR business partners and, you know, the direct HR directors are white male, yeah. whilst HR in broad sense is quite a female-dominated area Mm. actually when you look at the directors and you know the senior hr people they are male right and so we know that i think what we now need to do is to think about in these plans that are being formulated how do we ensure that we're starting to really think more broadly about our senior positions and how do we start to introduce diversity into them level yeah i agree with you and i think that's correct 100% correct but what people then say is well this has been going on you alluded to this earlier you said it's not new it's something I've just heard about it the other day but we all know it's not new BLM's been around for a long time and diversity and inclusion in relation to black people has been around for a long time but it hasn't really moved much further in the last sort of 20 years I would say a lot of the activity took place earlier on and what we see now is a lot of people talking the talk, but not walking the walk. And yes, we do need to plan. Yes, we do need to strategize. Yes, we do need to look at actions going forward. But how long? This is all taking yeah. so long. And as you yeah. say, the riots, the the pandemic has actually positively contributed to this, because I think if it wasn't for COVID, we probably wouldn't have had riots, I have to say. But all of the recent unrest in society is really down to the slowness of change. Yes. And it's only with this. People are tired. People right? are fed up and tired. People are fed up. People are tired. People have lost hope. They have. Because of the slow. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any idea on how much longer this is going to take and how all of this recent unrest is going to push those plans into action phase, into implementation phase? Mm, Yeah, well, that's a very golden question, Kate. (laughs) Do I know how long it's going to take? No, I don't. But what I can say and what I can see is that people want change. Mm. When we look at the riots, when we look at the protests, it's not just black people out there. And so that then feels different. You know, when I speak to a lot of people, they say, this feels different, right? The media attention, 
you know, the debate on statues, the government's response, the corporate bank's response. These are all things that can't go away, right? When these institutions make claims and put out notes of solidarity, that is them almost giving us the mandate to hold them accountable. Mm. So I don't know how long it's going to take, but what I am confident in saying is that things feel like they are going to change. And again, also, you know, a point that I was having a conversation the other day, and again, it's about we're not going to then go and see all of our boardrooms and now got black people. You know, that's not it. Because if you look at the population of the country, you know, that's how you have to measure the workforce. So it's not that we're now going to go and get a whole suite of black people to join boards and stuff, but we want to see representation. That's right. We want to see... We want to be treated equal. We want opportunities. We want to have equal opportunities. We want to feel like if we are the best person for the job, we will get the job, not based on our colour, but based on our ability. And at the moment, we're not getting the jobs. We're not even getting interviews in some cases. The opportunity. opportunity, Exactly. So that is the work that needs to be done. A lot of biases, a lot of processes need to be rewrote, a lot of you know, a lot of discussions need to be had. Yeah. Um, they're being had, I feel. I, You know, I do a lot of reading, a lot of research, and it, the conversations are being had. So let's see. This is not an overnight. I and mean, I started the conversation by saying it's not an overnight thing. It will take time. But like you're saying, how long? <laughs> you know, we can't wait another 10 years, yeah. right? So yeah. yeah. We have to be able to hold these organisations to account. At some we, we do indeed at some point. There will have to be check-ins I think we don't want this to die down and it's absolutely crucial that we maintain it'll be interesting to see yeah absolutely it'll be interesting to see whether the ethnicity pay gap becomes mandatory oh yes like gender yeah everyone's got their eye off that yeah 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 well then again that leads to the BAME question doesn't it because at the moment the reporting is on BAME Oh, and so that's another story, isn't it? That is a whole Kate. That is not for today. That that's is another whole. episode. <laughs> <laughs> that's another entire episode. Trust me <laughs> on that one. And all the things you've spoken about, they're so meaty and chunky, mm-hmm. and so much of it refers to HR. And, I, and sometimes mm-hmm. I feel quite sorry, really, in a way, for HR because they have such a huge burden. You know, they've got the engagement, they've got the talent acquisition, they've got the retention, they've got the measurement of how employees are feeling, the whole employee experience, which is this new thing that the yeah. corporations have been talking about for the last sort of five years, experience. You yeah. know, what do our employees experience in, in yeah. our organisation? It's a heavy, heavy burden. Where do you feel HR is going next in terms of what's the future of uh, DNI and HR from your personal perspective? I think as we start to look forward, there is a sense there about how do we ensure that inclusion is a big part of what we do in DNI. And again, speaking from my own perspective and not from the perspective of, of any particular company, but more so thinking that there needs to be that sense of inclusion. But I say that lightly because at the same time, we still need to ensure that we are addressing the unique challenges and nuances of each of the diversity categories, right? Yeah, true. So 
there's still a long way to go. I love the notion of everyone needs to feel included or the notion that inclusion is what brings people together. Inclusion is the glue. And I get that. But it will be interesting over the next couple of years to see how do we ensure that, yes, we are inclusive. We are inclusive in our organisations and in our, for our people, but at the same time addressing the nuances that individual groups face. So, you know, it's a really tricky one. Really, really exciting time for DNI professionals at the moment. Exciting, also nerve-wracking as well. You know, we are on show in some respect, and so therefore there is a pressure there that we want things to change. This is why we are DNI professionals. We yeah. want that change. We want equality, but we work with the business, and so therefore there can sometimes be a friction. Yes, yes, the rub, right? The yeah. friction because business objectives. And DNI objectives, they're not aligned. And whether they should be or not, you know, up for debate, there's a place for everything. Inclusion and diversity is as important as business strategy. If your people don't feel included and happy to be at work and, you know, back to that engaged piece, then how do you want them to work for your clients and your customers? I mean, DNI is is directly correlated to organisational performance. That performance, yeah, bottom line. Have, yeah, have found that organisations that are engaged and therefore do DNI correctly and fairly do perform better and do yeah. make more money if we're looking at it from that perspective. So, you know, those organisations who are thinking, well, that's nice to have, it's on the side, are going in the wrong direction. So, um, yeah, I think you're right in stating that. And it is such an exciting time. I'm really so happy that there are people like you around because when I was starting out in my career, there were very few black DNI or black HR, senior HR professionals. So I'm really excited that there are more people like yourself who have an interesting perspective and are driven to make a difference and to do the work that's required because there is a lot of work involved yeah. in that. And yeah, it's just wonderful to hear your perspective on this and to know that you're behind behind engagement. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been great having having the conversation and let's keep having the conversation. We need to keep using our voice as I keep saying, you know, now is not the time to be silent. We all need to be able to speak up and, and champion the change. And those require inside work and outside work, you know, sometimes these type of things, the conversation needs to continue. So really, really, really great. glad to be here today and appreciate the invite. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you so much. Awesome. Many thanks to Hannah. What a great conversation. It seems that organisations have some way to go on the DNI front, and whilst there are a few organisations going the extra mile to ensure their boards represent their customers, there are many that still don't appear to be doing or planning enough in this space. More and more, we know that talented individuals are looking at a company's DNI strategy before making a decision on who to work for. Surely, it's in everyone's interest to start doing the real work 
that will contribute to lasting change and help current and future employees truly engage with the organisation they work for.